This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. We can't hide from the, from the mistake, but uh, it's easy to fold in those moments, and he didn't. And uh, he, he, you know, he, he saw the game through with his defending, and then he was able to have an impact for the winner at the other end. So, um, uh, yeah, I think John has come through a lot, and he's, he's a much tougher, uh, much more resilient character for it. We're one of the few countries to take all nine points. There's some big nations have dropped points that you wouldn't expect, and we talked about that as the week was progressing, and we knew that tonight was going to be the toughest test of all and that they would have an extra incentive without Lewandowski in a strange way that, that they were going to fight even harder. Um, so I think that given the load on the players as well, we knew ideally we'd have liked to refresh a little bit more with our forward players in, in the uh, last half an hour. Um, but we didn't have so much depth on the bench tonight and uh, that's why it's great credit to, to the likes of Raheem, Mason, Phil, Harry, who you know, really ground that win out. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. England boss Gareth Southgate speaking after England's 2-1 win over Poland to make it three wins out of three for the World Cup qualifiers. On the Ball with me, Ross, on a Friday evening where we celebrate the return of the EPL. Yeah! And you can't see this, but the guys are grinning from ear to ear. And the guys are Bob Holmes. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. Craig Marias is also here. Hello, Craig. Hello, hello. And Des Corkill. VAR is back, Des. Yay! The wind is about the referees' decisions, soft penalties, soft red cards in the international game. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's clear up the international football bit before we talk EPL. Now, as usual, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Find us individually on Twitter if you wish. Also, follow BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Right, England 2, Poland 1. We heard um, Gareth Southgate at the start of the show. He, he actually bigged up uh, John Stones, who did really well making a mistake and then providing the assist for the winner. But, Bob, was it a good performance? I mean, bearing in mind there was no Lewandowski as well. <laughs> well, it was a bit like uh, what Sven Goran Eriksson used to say. First half good, second half not so good. <laughs> uh, they weren't bad in the first half, passed it around a bit. Mason Mount looked uh, busy as ever. Um, but I can't work out whether Southgate has still got the handbrake on. I think he has. I, um, I feel as if there's a lot of talent in the England attack and he's not letting it go somehow. Um, I mean, we talk between internationals, don't we, about these guys. Wow, how exciting. England have got these great young players. But then when they play, they muddle through by the odd goal. Mm. And you feel as if, you know, Southgate's kind of reining them in and not picking, not picking them all. I mean, OK, he couldn't pick Jack Grealish this time he's injured. But, you know, it feels as if... There's room for more attacking players. Do you need two central uh, defensive, defensive midfielders yeah, yeah. against uh, these minnows? Not, Pol- not the Poland are minnows, but against Albania and San Marino. Um, I don't think so. And I think that uh, he's, he's not doing justice to this crop of players that England currently has. So, and Southgate himself, I think, he's, he's done well. 
and I think he was probably the right guy at the time to take over from Sam Allardyce because he knew the young players in the under-21 setup. But he's never really cut it as a top manager. And I think that doubt there, it's still there. You know, he managed to get England to a semi-final of a World Cup, which the semi-final, at least they possibly could have won or should have won. And you feel as, as if a guy like Pep Guardiola, for example, would do a lot better with this team. That's my, that's my view. Yeah, I, I think Bob's got a point there. Um, we, 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 we often talk about the central midfield area, Craig, and it's, it's pretty much the same as like when we're talking about Man United. There's no need sometimes for two holding central midfielders when you're playing the weaker opponents. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but then again, it goes back to, to, to what Bob was saying um, earlier. You know, are Poland actually as weak as we're making them out to be? Um, in my opinion, I don't think so. Um, they still pose a threat. Yes, there's no Lewandowski, but they still have uh, good players there, very good players there that are playing at a very good level. So, um, yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, it's qualification. At the end of the day, the target's three point, uh, three wins out of three. Um, as Southgate said in his post-match interview, he got that. Um, uh, was it comfortable? No. Uh, but then again, you know, these are tricky matches that, that you're going to face. The main things that you come out of it with a win. Um, let's go back to Bob. Like, yeah, we know Southgate um, obviously isn't, you know, the world's greatest manager, but I don't think that's needed um, in the in the international job as well. You've got limited time with the players. Um, and, and most of the time, it's it, it's about the travel. You, you don't really get that time to uh, impose. You don't work, uh, impose your style of play, your philosophy, um, as Pep Guardiola does. Uh, with Man City, you've got to remember, you know, it's it's four or five days of training straight into a game. I mean, you're getting players that are coming off uh, the back of the Premier League. So, you know, you've got a couple of days of, of recuperation, recovery. Um, there'll be some knocks. Probably don't get your first 11 out on the training pitch until maybe a day before the game. Um, and then when you do, it's, it, it's a tactical training session. So, I mean, you've got to factor all these things in before <clears throat> before you actually get to play in. Um, yeah, you, you look at that team and, and I think on paper you, you look at England and you say, yeah, it should be doing a lot better. But am I complaining uh, after getting three wins out of three, top, top of the qualification group? No. Um, we're, we're looking at Southgate and, and we're expecting the world because of the players. You know, we've had some of the best coaches in the world uh, that, that have come in there um, and not been able to do the job, not been able to gel those players together. Um, so... so you know, in terms of South, Southgate, is he doing a good job? Yes. Where's he going to be judged on? Games against Poland or is he going to be judged in the majors? He's going to be judged in the majors and, and how he does in the Euros, how he does in the World Cups. Um, and that's that's the plain truth of it. You know, I mean, no one's going to come up to him and say, hey, Gareth, you know, you've got to be playing a lot better against Poland. He's got the win. Yeah, so yeah. Um, let, let's see how he does it, it in the Euros. Let's Not bear fun. in mind as well, um, and, and Bob did mention it, uh, mention it to be fair to him, this is nowhere near um, the, the strongest, um, you know, a first eleven England could have played. You, you're missing Jordan Pickford. You're missing Trent. You're missing Jordan Henderson. You're mi missing Marcus Rashford. You're missing Grealish if he plays. And, you know, yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. a toss-up. Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho. I mean, Madison. Barnes. I mean, I could go on, but that's eight. That's eight players I've got there. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, let's just say it's three wins out of three. Great start to, to the qualification um, and top of the group. 
Yeah, top of group I with uh, Hungary, who Des's dark horses second, two points behind. Des, you want to say something about England? I do. The penalty, the Raheem Sterling one. He's cheated. He's dived. There isn't a touch. Never in a million years. Never. You're not going to touch that? Is that a penalty? Never. You've not been touched? Not touched. Not touched at all. And so Mm. England have got an incredibly dubious penalty. Secondly, they play Nick Pope, who's a fine shot-stopping goalkeeper, dominant when the cross comes in. Nick Pope cannot play with the ball at his feet. And yet, the England way is to play the ball at his feet. And Pope was caught two, maybe three, possibly four times, including the goal. Everyone's pointing very much uh, the finger at John Stones. I look at the ball that Nick Pope played played into him. And that's a problem. So, So you've got to play to your players' skills, not have a rigid system. We will play out of the back, even if our goalkeeper's only got a right foot and can only hoof it 60 metres. That's all he's really good at. He's a fabulous goalkeeper, but they've used him wrong. So I'm looking at the penalty and thinking, wow, wow, that's that's a bad decision um, going in England's way. Nobody talks about it. It wasn't even analysed in the UK um, t- television. They didn't even talk about it, which uh, smacks very much of... Um, <laughs> this is why we should have VAR, right? No, no, no. I just think it's, I just think it's dreadful refereeing. I mean, I, mean I, it, 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 I think it's dreadful refereeing. That's what it is. Um, that's been going on for years. Yeah, it, it has been. But now you're getting these kind of decisions. And I think uh, G- Germany's penalty, there was a touch on, on Sane. We'll talk about that Germany implosion a little bit later. But the decisions, a penalty was not meant for this kind of situation. The reason a penalty was brought in was not for a, a touch or a, a blow in the penalty area. It was for, for flagrant foul play. And it's just been abused by, um, by, by modern footballers again. So I've got two big wins on that. England, fine. Uh, three wins out of three. You know my views on England. Hopefully Trent isn't selected for the Euros and he can have a, a, a summer off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to Group E we go, where Wales had a much-needed win against the Czech Republic, who were very much informed going into the game. Daniel James with a late, late header. Uh, suddenly, it looks good for Wales. They've played a game less than the Czech Republic. They're just a point behind, Bob. But, of course, Belgium are, are the runaway leaders in the group. They had an 8-0 win against Belarus. But good news for Wales. Yeah, great news for Wales. Uh, I think... Uh, Belgium are going to get it, aren't they? I don't think um, anybody's going to get the top spot. So they're battling for the second playoff spot. And uh, nobody wants to go into the playoffs because you don't know who you're going to get. And it's a one-off. Well, it's a two-leg game, but it's a one-off occasion. And uh, anything can happen. So everybody's trying to to get through. I I would say Wales have got the advantage now with that game in hand. And the fact that they could come and snatch a win here was really, I think, very, very heartening. And Bale, again, showed his importance to Wales. Uh, I mean, it was only an assist this time, but it was absolutely pinpoint, pure class. And with him in the side, uh, I mean, he's, he's probably, outside of Belgium, he's the best player in that group. And you would say that he is capable of getting um, Wales uh, in, into that second um, spot. So it uh, looks, looks very good, very encouraging. Yep. Third, uh, can, can, I ju- can I just add to that, Ross? Yeah. 
So, so I was, um, I've got a few uh, Welsh mates that, that I've been talking to when, and the whole Welsh managerial situation and who's in charge and um, they, they don't have a clue what's going on, number one. Uh, and, um, you know, the Welsh fans think they're still a little bit too defensive. They, some even said they're more defensive than Mark Hughes when Mark Hughes was in charge. <laughs> um, and, and that's saying something. Um, and, and they just say, you know, compared to the Chris Coleman days when he was in charge of Wales, you know, they've lost some sort of identity um, in their style of play. Um, and, you know, Chris Coleman was able to get the best out of the 15, 16 players that he had. Um, they don't feel that this is happening right now. And that could be due to, you know, I mean, the coach is not there. Yeah. The head coach is not there. He's not been there for a few months now, a few games now. Um, and that always has an impact. Um, but they, it, 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 all, you know, they feel that they're moving uh, one step forwards and one step back. Um, so, you know, not much progress being made um, for, from the Wales front. But it was a big win against Czech Republic. Yeah, absolutely. And and suddenly Group E looks a lot prettier from a Welsh perspective. Uh, Scotland too, suddenly whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, Wales. Yeah. It's another game that's pivotal on a dreadful decision, in my opinion. The red card to Patrick Schick is a nothing situation. It's a nothing. Not even handbags. He slightly raised his arm because he's been buffeted. He's received a straight red card. It's crazy. That whole game changes because Czech Republic were pretty dominant up until that period. They go down to 10 men. Admittedly, Wales lost a, a player later on for a second yellow. But referee decisions, handbags, nothing situations, yeah. penalties and red cards were not meant for this kind of nothing play. It really what about the bail, the bail elbow? The bail elbow, yes, unseen, uh, unseen. Maybe it's time for Simbins. Maybe it's time for indirect free kicks to come in. But something, something has got to change because whole matches are being decided on nothing decisions. Bringing yeah, I agree. I think retrospective punishments could be considered, especially for diving when yeah, good, good uh, when a player goes yeah. down as if he's been shot, yeah. just to get a player sent off. Well, then that team has the advantage, okay. a numerical advantage in the game. But the guy is punished retrospectively. And if, you, if that happened and the guy stayed on the field, there wouldn't be the incentive to milk the moment like they do at the moment. Right. All right. VR, I, that's the only solution, I tell Shut you. Up, Shut up. Shut up. All right, um, Scotland, too, suddenly look good in their group, uh, Group F. They beat the Faroe Islands 4-0. Che Adams scoring his first goal for his country. Uh, they're up to second after three games played. We've got to talk about Germany in Group J. Germany won North Macedonia 2 First ever win. First of all, Des Cockhill, when I looked at this match and I saw they were one up, I looked at the scorer. It said Goran Pandev. <laughs> I thought, no, surely it's not. So I, I looked him up. He's 37 now. <laughs> Still a young player. The problem with Pandev is he looked like he was 37 since he was 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's one of those. But it's, it's a goal in the six-yard box. It's a, a proper striker's goal, a poacher's goal. Uh, you've then got to mention the team of Werner Miss. You've also got to mention a, a clear handball by Emery Chan when it was one all. So yeah, when you just everyone yeah. saying everyone saying oh Germany should have gone on and won it the Vernemis is awful but there's another dreadful refereeing decision here I'm not calling for VAR I'm just calling for better refereeing because Chan <laughs> has absolutely uh, handled the ball in the penalty area um, 
and then uh, for North Macedonia to, to then take the victory right at the end. So for those of us who like these minnow teams playing against the big countries, this is a shot in the arm for us because I'm a big fan of these massive occasions for the smaller nations. I've, I've, I always have been. Uh, everyone says, oh, you shouldn't be playing these minnow teams. What are San Marino doing here? What are Luxembourg doing here? Well, Luxembourg have just produced a win against uh, the Irish. Yeah. And now North Macedonia have beaten Germany in Germany. So <laughs> go the little fellas. Go, go the little yeah, Des, no one was talking about North Macedonia uh, being bracketed with San Marino. North Macedonia is 66th in the world. San Marino is 210th, <laughs> 150, 150 countries between them. I mean, we're only those of us who think that these minnows should be have their own little qualifying pre-qualifying group are only talking about the numbers 200 to 210 we're not talking about the rest i agree with you i love to see the upsets like the fa cup third round same thing great but there's a huge difference between these countries like macedonia and san marino well, it's only those luxembourg luxembourg, luxembourg they're in the top 100 i know they're in the top 100 but they would never be regarded as as a as a um a, a team they would be one of the first ones that you shift out but that's okay. i said i said 200 the team's down at about 200 <laughs> big difference they all right down in <laughs> that's international football we don't want to spend too much time on it because the... we're not going to gloat about the Germans losing more. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's it. We're going into the break. When we come back, then it's EPL talk. Stay tuned. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is on the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. This is on the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back. Bob, Craig and Des looking forward to a domestic football weekend. The English Premier League is back and it kicks off early on a Saturday. Remember, the clocks have now all gone forward. So it's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Fourth place, Chelsea against West Brom, who are 19th. It can only go one way on paper, no matter how you look at this one, Bob Hobbs. But... Um, Interestingly, uh, West Brom's best player probably this season is the Chelsea Loney, who's not allowed to play Conor Gallagher. Um, but yeah, I mean, how many do you see Chelsea putting past Big Sam's side here? Uh, well, it depends whether uh, Werner plays or not. Um, <laughs> oh, then zero. Whether yeah. he's got his, his shooting boots on. Um, now you do feel sorry for him because he's one of those blokes who seems to feel it, doesn't he? His head goes down after the after missing that open goal uh, the other night, um, but he's still scored fourteen or fifteen goals this season. You know, I mean, it's not been quite the disaster it's been portrayed. But I think Chelsea should win this by a few, yeah. And I think this will just about condemn West Brom to uh, going down. They've only won three games all season. And since Sam Allardyce uh, came in, they haven't really improved very much. Normally, it has a magical effect, but uh, not on this occasion. And um, yeah, I think they're—I think they've—they've uh, they've had it pretty well. Um, uh, Chelsea. The, the, the only hope really is that uh, Chelsea have got an important game in the Champions League in midweek, 
against Porto. And Thomas Tuchel might be tempted to rest a few players. And that sometimes can be fatal. Um, if you rest too many, uh, you don't, uh, you're going to give the opposition a chance. So Sam Allardyce will be telling his men, yes, you know, they'll have one eye on that game with Porto and uh, we could take advantage of that. But I think Tuchel is too smart for, for, to make that kind of mistake. And uh, so I do see a, a, a pretty comfortable win for Chelsea here. Yeah, and, and you feel the Chelsea squad, even if rotation does happen, the, the squad <laughs> seems, yeah, it's good enough anyway. Um, but here's, here's an interesting stat. Uh, Craig, Chelsea have not conceded a goal at home in the league for five matches since Tuchel took over from Frank Lampard. I didn't know that. I know they've, they've been on a no no loss run and all that, but uh, wow, I mean, it's it's a massive week. Bob alluded to Champions League. They're in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, and they're nicely placed in the league as well. They don't want to slip up, do they? Yeah, and, and this is coming from uh, myself, you know, who who was against the sacking of Lampard. I thought it was a bit too premature, a bit too early on. And I thought, you know, he should have been given a lot longer in the job. Uh, but you can't fault the decision right, right now. You know, when you look at it, you know, Chelsea have come into some form um, defensively. Like you say, Ross, you know, they're really solid. Um, going forward is the only issue that I have. You know, I still don't think, I think, you know, we talk about, uh, we talked about England just now and, and, you know, the quality that he has up front and, you know, the lack of uh, goals or entertainment or whatever you would, you'd like to call it. But it, it's a similar thing with Chelsea. You know, they're not, they're getting one nil wins here and there, you know, they're, they're scraping through, um, but they're built on a defensive foundation. Um, and, and that seems to be the way that Tuchel wants to go about it. You know, uh, um, you know, Timo Werner's five, five goals in the Premier League this season. Uh, Kai Havertz hasn't chipped in with much. He plays as a centre-forward. Um, the best striker, I think, if I'm not mistaken, is Olivier Giroud. And he's, he's what, was he, 36? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's quite incredible. But, you know, if it works for Chelsea, if it works for Tuchel, why not? You know, come the end of the season, this was a team that was, uh, I think, around seventh place when when he took over. Now they're really pushing strong um, uh, for a Champions League spot in the Premier League. Um, you know, they're doing well in the Champions League and, and they got a great chance in the FA Cup. So, um, you know, you like I said, you know, you look at the board and you say, yeah, they sack a lot of managers, but they do get success along the way with it. Um, so I guess it just works for them. And, and he's done a great job. Yeah, they, they've got some injury problems. <clears throat> Tuchel's got to keep an eye out for. Apparently, Jorginho hurt his knee training with Italy. N'Golo Kante against the Ukraine had a hamstring injury. Callum Hudson-Odoi uh, injured on international duty, done his shoulder in. So they've got a few problems. But as we've said before, there's this Chelsea squad. They've got strength. They've got depth. Maybe a little shy up front. Um, and, and also the, the, the Timo Werner thing. Bob's got a massive point when he says he wears his heart on his sleeve and you can more than often see what kind of mood he's in after like two minutes of a match. Uh, with, the, with the form of uh, these two teams going forward, the expected goals ratio for this is a minus one. So I don't think anyone is expected <laughs> to score. So this is Chelsea to win nil minus one. Because Tom <laughs> has scored, I think it's three in eight. Chelsea have only conceded two in 11. Uh, even their 2-0 wins are a 90th-minute winner. So they're, they're tight, they're resilient, they're everything anti, um, anti-entertainment. But I get it at this, this time of the season. Tuchel's done a great job. But I've always said with Chelsea, they've got great players. They should be where they are. 
They should be competing at the at the top end of the Premier League. They should be uh, competing at, at the tail end of the Champions League with the players that they've got. They spent 200 million. Werner will come good. Werner will come good. I've got no doubts about that whatsoever. But at the moment, uh, Chelsea are sneaking those, as Craig says, one nilers and late two nilers and not conceding goals. So don't expect this to be a thriller. Um, but if West Brom lose, West Brom are effectively down because they need to win four games more than Newcastle stroke Fulham. And there's only, what, eight to nine matches remaining. Yeah. So if, if West Brom lose this, this is effectively it. All right, it's your early Saturday kickoff, Chelsea against West Bromwich Albion. Um, for what we've said about West Brom, you can probably magnify and put that onto Sheffield United. They are rock bottom. They're away at Leeds United. But if Sheffield win all the remaining eight matches, Bob, is there a chance? <laughs> <laughs> No, Sheffield United are almost in the San Marino category. <laughs> 215. Uh, <laughs> and they haven't helped themselves. Uh, I mean, they were going to go down anyway. We've, we've mentioned this before, sacking Wilder. Um, they looked absolutely bereft uh, in the first game after he was sacked. I mean, he, he's uh, worked an absolutely magical transformation over the club, taking them up. Uh, to two promotions and even flirted with Europa League qualification last season. And now they're going down, but to sack him, uh, absolutely disastrous. And I, they could lose every game from here on in, which, I mean, they've given uh, Paul Heggingbottom, isn't it, the manager, yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, uh, an absolute hospital pass here. I mean, he's, he was a young manager. He did well at Barnsley. He was making a name for himself. And he got the job at Leeds, and that didn't work out. And then he uh, went, to, went to Sheffield United as a, as a um, looking after the youngsters. And he's been promoted to look after this uh, side, which is uh, devoid of morale, spirit, motivation, anything which is very, very uncharacteristic of a Sheffield United team. They're known for their fighting qualities. But the way the board has handled this and sacked their main man, their Chris Wilder, was more than a manager. He was like a father figure to a lot of these players who he brought up from the lower leagues. And to, to get rid of him like that is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, it's being reflected in the team's performance. I don't see Sheffield United hardly getting a point from here on in. So this, as a Yorkshire derby, I think it's going to be very one-sided. And it's uh, Bielsa uh, is the man that succeeded uh, Heckingbottom at Leeds. Um, I mean, obviously transformed Leeds. And uh, it's been a great success story, even though they're actually in it, technically in the bottom half of the, of the table. Um, but still, what he's done, the style of play and the, the fact that it's the first season back up, he's done a fantastic job and they deserve a lot of credit. So you can only see this going one way, Lee, a, a comfortable Leeds win. Yeah, they, they often say in, in derbies, you throw the form book out the window. Um, but Craig, Leeds 11, as Bob mentioned. Already a very good season. They're coming off the back of a 2-1 win over Fulham last time out. So it, it's been kind, the fixture list. If they keep winning, they, they could suddenly start looking at top six, maybe. Maybe Europa League. What a top season that would be. 
be fantastic if they do, but um, you know, I, I just can't see it to be honest. You know, uh, you know, we admire uh, the way that Leeds play. We we know they have a, a good manager um, in charge, but you know, th- there are there are better teams than them. Uh, they're still suspect at the back. Uh, at the back, um, they don't have a great defence. Although uh, some of these players are are coming to a better form, they're, they're a lot better than they were at the start of the season. Um, I'll, I'll give Bielsa that. Uh, but they still can be exposed, um, especially when they're up against better teams. Um, but going forward, they're, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. Rafinha, what a signing he's been. Yeah. Uh, Bamford's taken, you know, there's a lot of criticism about Bamford, you know, um, even from Leeds fans, or Leeds fans in particular. Um, and that was just last season in the Championship, you know, where they said he's not good enough to play for Leeds. He's not He's not a Championship striker. I mean, he got a lot of uh, a lot of abuse, a lot of uh, criticism, uh, but he's come back. He's re- responded to that fantastically in the um, in the Premier League, and um, the, that that's the only doubt going into this. You know, I mean, they need him to be fit. He's a doubt. Um, I think he's still suffering from that injury yeah. uh, that happened at Chelsea um, when he came off a. I think he clashed with Rudiger. I think it was. Um, but yeah, top six out of the question for Leeds. Uh, a good side, great, great, uh, great season back in the Premier League. Um, they look to build on it for next season. All right, brilliant stuff. We have to go to another break now. Leeds 11th, uh, Sheffield United 20th is a Saturday 10 p.m. kickoff. Stick with us. More right after this. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that Black Lives Matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wondering if he'd make a difference. So it beats him all ends up, doesn't he? Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig Marias, uh, Bob Holmes, and Des Corkill joining me to preview the return of the Premier League. Yeah. Now, the big game this weekend, a massive game, in fact, is third versus first. Leicester City take on leaders Manchester City. This is a Sunday, half past midnight kickoff. This one is very, very tasty indeed, Des Corkill. There will be goals. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Man City's momentum has been uh, dented a little bit by the international break. Uh, for those of us who, who've um, feared Manchester City since, well, since just before the start of their incredible recent run, um, we just hope that they peaked too early because otherwise you can see this city having the ability to go on and take all four trophies, which I think would be bad for football. So if the international break has just stymied their, their momentum, that will encourage Leicester. Um, but I suspect not, because Manchester City just have sensationally good players. The interesting one for me is the Aguero announcement that he will be leaving at the end of the season. That could go one of two ways. It could mean that he goes out with a flourish, which I think is probably what will happen because his quality <laughs> if he comes on for 15, 20, 25 minutes at the end of games or it's just brought, it, it just starts the, the first hour. Or it could go uh, the other way. But I, I think that that's actually very clever, uh, announcing that very early because there's no pressure, there's no speculation. Um, where, wherever he ends up going, being Chelsea or abroad or whatever, but he's got an opportunity to relive that final Aguero moment <laughs> and go out as one of the all-time Premier League greats. And um, that, that's a very interesting one for me. And I thought that was a very clever uh, manoeuvre, if it was um, manipulated in that way by Manchester City or Aguero, to actually just give the focus away from, not any pressure, but away from the four-trophy uh, discussion 
onto Aguero, what a superstar he is and how fitting for him to go out with a league title. Yeah, and, and the press are reporting that Sergio wants to stay in the UK as well. So, Chelsea it is then. <laughs> if there, <laughs> Bob, if there's one player who can come back and, and haunt Man City, it is Ineacho. I was reading some stats. Apparently, he's, he's, he's the, the, the highest conversion rate striker around. Uh, when they signed him, Leicester, he had 13 shots on target. Nine goals scored so far this season. Eleven shots on target with nine in in the back of the net. Uh, I, I, they don't tell you how many he's missed or off target, <laughs> but his on target shots pretty lethal. Oh, uh, I read where he uh, he seldom shoots. He doesn't <laughs> miss <why>. many, <laughs> but that's a problem in itself. He yeah. doesn't get into those <laughs> positions, <laughs> and. Uh, he, he's been there a couple of years now, and uh, he looked like a pretty smart signing, didn't he, for 20-odd million, I think, um, from City in the first place. But he didn't really do it. He didn't deliver. Uh, and it's only been the second half of this season that he has. I mean, he, he looks very good now. He looks lethal, you know. Um, you regard him, you're starting to regard him anyway as a, as a top striker, you know, anywhere in, in the box. And, you know, he's a, a main threat. But... He doesn't do a lot else, and he's not quite as quick as Jamie Vardy. So he's not exactly a, a ready-made replacement for Vardy. I think they're still looking uh, elsewhere. They've, they've looked at Danny Ings, um, who's a more prolific uh, goal scorer and also a more prolific shot taker <laughs> than um, Inacho. But uh, it's good to see that he's, he's come good. Uh, you know, it's sad when you see a guy who's played for a top club like City um, sort of fall down the rankings and end up in the League Two or something or going back to play for Andorra or whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and it's good that he's held it at this level. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's looking at Champions League qualification here. Yeah. Unless City collapse, they're going to make it. And... Um, uh, quite a bit of that is down to him because he scored the goals when Vardy has been absent. Yeah. And I think Vardy came back probably too soon after his uh, hernia operation. He didn't look quite the same, not, you know, not surprisingly. Um, he's had another couple of weeks now to rest. So you might see Jamie Vardy looking a bit more like the old Vardy. So Leicester are um, in, in a very good position. They're not involved in Europe. Uh, they do have the FA Cup to think about and a, and a very good chance of being in the final. So it's all looking good for Leicester. And I, I don't think they're going to make their annual slip up this time um, when they fall out of the top four places. I think they're good enough to stay there. They've had a lot of injuries. They haven't moaned about them. And they are slowly coming back. So uh, I'm looking good uh, for Leicester. And I think they could give City uh, a, a very, very good game here. I think they can ask a few questions of City. Yeah, Harvey Barnes missing is still massive for, for Leicester City. Um, all right, that one is Sunday, half past midnight. That's big. Now another equally big game is ninth versus seventh. If you told Mikel Arteta, listen, there's only going to be four points between you and Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool come March. 
he would have taken it. He would have gone, right, we'll be challenging for the title. But no, it's ninth versus seventh. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Both teams really, really, Craig, do not want to lose here because with Chelsea playing West Brom, there's going to be points gained there. You know what I mean? In that yeah. race, the big picture for the top four, I guess more pressure on Liverpool going into this one. Yeah, um, definitely. I think with, with Arsenal, you know, considering where they were, um, you know, and how they started the season, I think it's it's one of those where they'll be looking at it. Look, as long as we get into the top half, you know, we will we'll take that for day. Not not to say that it's a success, but you know, considering where they were and how low they they, they fell, you know, they, they've responded quite well. Um, the big thing here is Liverpool, you know, and and what their actual ambitions are uh, for you know, in terms of the Premier League, you know, is is getting into the top four realistic for them? Um, you know, and, and I think that's how they've got to play it. Um, you know, I think with with Liverpool, what are they? They're about 10 points, um, off, sorry, five points off the, the, the top four. So it's, it's certainly do, doable. It's certainly doable to sneak it in. But do they have that same level of consistency? You know, are they able to grind out the wins? And, you know, it, it's a tough one, you know, because... We can't criticise Liverpool because <clears throat> because of what they achieved last season. But there's always going to be a point where that falls off, and and whether you know the way that Jurgen Klopp plays the game or, or whatever it is, whatever you want to put it down to, you know, they reach such high heights, um, you know, heights where the only way is down, um, you know, if, if you think about it. Um, but now, you know, with with a bit of time away, you know, the players have gone away with their international uh, teams, you know. Are they going to come back refreshed for the final eight games and say, look, right, it's time for us to give it a big push now. You know, it's still there for us. You know, as bad as we've been, we're five points off. You know, it's certainly doable. Um, and now it's just going to come down to this tail end of the season is how consistent teams can be, how many of them can string wins together. Um, and, and and it's not an easy, not an easy game this. You know, Arsenal absolutely horrific in the first half and the last time out against West Ham. Um, but you saw... The quality there, you saw that they still have quality. Three 0 down, and they come back like that. You know, it, it's a, it, it was a very good performance so, uh, or response rather from Arteta. So there is something there with Arsenal as well. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, they've got some quality players. You know, they've got an identity. They've got a philosophy. Arteta, how he wants to play the game. Um, I, 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 if I had to put my neck out on the line, I, I, I gotta go with Liverpool on this. Um, yeah, I, I just. I'm just waiting for them. You know, every week I'm waiting for them to bounce back, bounce back. It hasn't happened. I think after the international break, this is where it happens. Well, a fit again, Diego Jota, is massive. Massive, massive. Yeah, yeah. for Liverpool. He scored last time out. Um, but Des, one eye. I mean, you, you're not human if you don't have one eye on Real Madrid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're going into this massive game at the weekend. But you're also thinking about what's happening on Tuesday night. Slight difference. I think Craig has hit the nail completely on the head there. The expectations uh, Liverpool have had reasonable reasons why they've not done particularly well. Now they've had that break. They've got the centre-backs in. Kabak is in there. Phillips is part of the agenda. Fabinho's back in midfield. Firmino and Jota are playing. Salah and Mane have had a chance to rest. From now on in, every game is a cup final. The, uh, the old adage, but this Liverpool team have shown in the two previous years, that they're able to cope with cup finals week in, week out. They need to come out and they must come out firing on all cylinders in this game against Arsenal because they can't afford to lose any more ground on Chelsea. They just can't. Champions League is the target. 
Yeah. Must be. Top four must be the target. Top six would be a consolation, but top four must be the target. That means you can't lose pace with Chelsea, who are taking on West Brom. So you've got to go to um, uh, the Emirates and win. You've got to. There is no other result. Otherwise, that season is gone. And then you focus fully on Real Madrid. Utterly on Real Madrid. But there's that little matter of Arsenal first. Liverpool, uh, they've still got to go to Leeds. They've still got to go to Man United. They've got this Arsenal game. They've got Aston Villa, who are owed a little bit of something uh, coming back to Anfield. So there's four out of the eight games Liverpool are potentially difficult. So yeah, they've really got to be firing right from, from the word go. And this international break, whereas it might have stopped the progress of Manchester City, could be just a Philip Liverpool needed. Yep, Liverpool need to keep an eye on Alex Lacazette. He has scored in his last two games for Arsenal. He scored 28% of Arsenal's league goals this season. Amazing stat. Right, uh, that's Sunday 3 a.m. that one, Arsenal versus Liverpool. We're going for our final break. You stay there, back right after this. Lovely football, speed of that passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead, a picture of a goal, and that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking around, Craig, Des and Bob here. We're previewing the return of the EPL, of course. Uh, so many big games to talk about. Newcastle against Tottenham could be interesting. This one's Sunday at nine, five past nine. The loser of this one, Newcastle versus Tottenham. Bob, the loser, I, I reckon the fans are going to revolt and call for the manager's head to the losing team of this tie. <laughs> Well, they already are with <laughs> Steve Bruce, aren't they? Uh, I mean, there's a small pocket of Spurs fans who are, who are doing that with Mourinho, but not the majority. Uh, because, I mean, Mourinho has still got something, hasn't he? And they are still in a final. He could, he could yet win a trophy this season. Don't put it past him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the, the, I mean, the jury is very much out. I mean, it's a curious egg of a season that he's had there um still don't know really what to make of it he's upset a few players um uh, but not as badly as steve bruce has upset the newcastle fans so yes neither neither manager is high in the popularity stakes at the moment um it's that phrase again must win uh more for newcastle because uh i think newcastle are in serious danger yeah Two they, points. They don't have, yeah. Yep. They don't have any momentum. Uh, they uh, there's trouble behind the scenes. Um, they um, they can't score. Whereas Fulham, their their main rivals, have got something. They're struggling a bit, but they they are playing with a lot of spirit, which you, you can't really say the same for Newcastle. Uh, so. This game, on paper, it's not the most attractive fixture of the weekend, but it could be very, very interesting, as you say. It could go either way. Yeah. I'm going to watch it, no question about it, because <laughs> I think something will happen. It's, it's got that. It won't be great football. Don't expect that. But I think it could be eventful. Um, very difficult to forecast, but I think I would say Spurs because Newcastle are a poor side when you get right down to it. Yeah. I think Steve Bruce has done actually quite done the best anybody could reasonably expect. Um, and uh, whereas Spurs, 
they they've got some very very good players and uh, they were top of the league and even fancied to win the title not so long ago remember those days uh december they were actually top and really on a roll so i would say spurs will win this one and and probably condemn newcastle it won't be over but i think newcastle are probably going to go down most most of all the newcastle relegate yeah at the expense of yeah fulham will will survive i guess but if that happens you can't help you can't help steve bruce anymore because most neutral football fans Craig, will feel for steve bruce i mean what he's been going through injuries and all that but i understand callum wilson and saint maximan could be available because there have been pictures of them in training this week so that's massive if that happens. Yeah, absolutely massive for him. Um, you're talking about two key players, two two players who really should be playing for for better teams. Um, uh, if you ask me, you know, I think uh, say Max Menny's got his fitness issues. He's never really fit, is he? But <clears throat> when he plays, what a player! What a player! You know, you're struggling to get the ball off of him. He's direct. He runs at you, <clears throat> and uh, you know any defender would tell you. The, the one thing that they hate about an attacking player is someone who's strong and who's quick and, and he's unpredictable and he's all that. And, and he's a really, really uh, a top talent. What, what signing he was. Um, crucial for, for, for Steve Bruce to get both of them back. But again, you know, as good as they are, are they good enough to carry that team? And um, with, with Spurs, you, you're really you're looking to see you know, which Spurs is going to turn up. Because you've seen some fantastic Spurs performances this season. You've also seen some shocking ones as well. Um, and I think Mourinho still um, hasn't got that balance right. Defensively, I think they're, they're awful. You know, the two centre-backs that they have. Um, Eric Dias now lost his place in the squad. Um, I think it's uh, Sanchez has come in with Alderweireld. Uh, Roden's played a few games as well. So he's still kind of playing around with that partnership. Um, e you know, either side of him, Reguilón um, is a doubt for this match, which is massive. I think Ben Davis um, left the Wales camp as well. He was injured. Um, at right back, you know, Doherty looks a pale shadow of himself. Um, and then you like, you're relying on, on Tanganga or Aurier. You know, I mean, the, the whole back four is just unsettled. Mm. You know, there's no consistency. You know, when you look at the top teams, um, you know, right up the table, you know, you look at your cities, you look at United's, uh, you look at your Leicester's, you know, they've, they've all had, you know, 20 odd games, you know, 30 games, um, you know, this season together. Um, but you just don't get that with Spurs. You know, Lloris, you know, I have my reservations about how good he actually is. Um, so I, I think... Spurs could be there for Newcastle if they turn up, if they realise the importance of this, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't be surprised if you can see an upset. But it goes back to the fact, has Steve Bruce lost that dressing room? Yeah. And there have been stories that have emerged that he has. Yeah. If he's lost that dressing room, they've got no chance. If he can galvanise that squad for this one game, and this one game, if they beat Spurs, could be massive because that could propel them on uh, to, the, to the tail end of the season. Um, oh, yeah, go on. Let's, 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 I fancy an upset here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Newcastle, Newcastle gets something. I talked myself into that as well. <laughs> you see, we, we said it's going to be a very interesting tie, that one. 9.05 p.m. on Sunday. Newcastle in 17th against 6th place Tottenham. I understand um, Lamella is available after suspension and Son could be making a return. 
right. Uh, Man United in second, take on Brighton in 16th. Now, with Leicester City entertaining the league leaders, Man City, Man United are going to look at this as a chance to maybe solidify their hold on, on second. They certainly will be looking for three points against Brighton, Des Corkill. Uh, they probably will, but I think Brighton uh, will have taken a lot of encouragement from yeah. that 3-0 performance they had against Newcastle in that uh, they're now they're not safe, but they're much closer to safety. They're probably two victories away from absolute safety. What are they, 32 points, 37, 38 is, is probably going to be safe uh, this season because I can't see Newcastle getting another, another 10 points. I do like the way you have this Manchester United hat on. It's, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're, you're right. United could solidify second place if they beat Brighton. But Brighton have played nice, attractive football all season. And uh, that might just worry Man United a little bit because I don't think they'll sit back and, 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 um, and be scared. I think they'll have a, a real pop here. And whereas uh, um, Craig was talking about the Newcastle-Tottenham game being the upset, I see this as a potential upset. I, I just see Brighton maybe relaxing, maybe believing in themselves because they scored some great goals for much of this season. They've been incredibly unfortunate, hitting the post, hitting the bar, playing nice football, not getting the rewards, rewards that they, 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 they deserve. That tends to even out over a season. So I'm expecting a little bit of a spurt from Brighton towards the end of, the end of this season. Could start here. Could start at Old Trafford. Yeah, Bob. The, the Seagulls are, are coming off back-to-back wins for the second time this season, looking for three in a row. And, you know, we've been saying progressive football from, from Graham Potter all season. Now, suddenly, well, last two games anyway, results have followed. Can they keep it going? Uh, well, it's that uh, point about the international break again. Has, yeah. has it uh, upset their momentum? It probably came at the wrong time for Brighton. Um, it, it comes at the wrong time for teams who are doing well, usually. That's how it works. And they may have lost a little bit, although they would have taken encouragement from the fact that their strikers have been scoring goals for their countries, or Trossard anyway, for Belgium. He's actually found the net. He scored two in one game. Uh, and that is just about doubled his tally for the season at Brighton. But um, it, at least they can get some confidence from that because that's been their problem, fail, failing to score. But as Des said, the last couple of games, they've found the net. So uh, let's hope they haven't lost that knack. Um, and at United, well, I don't know what to say about them, whether this break has come at the right time or the wrong time for them. They've, they've had injuries, one or two issues. Rashford, I, I don't think he's a certainty to start, is he? Marcus Rashford. They've, um, they've got uh, players coming from all over the place uh, in the international break. You know, they lost a lot of players to it. And what sort of shape they're in, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is only just finding out right now. So what team he turns out um, is questionable. I would say there is a chance of Brighton getting something here. All right. Uh, Craig, you surely must favour the home win, but up front, United could be a, a bit light. Uh, Marcus Rashford, we heard he didn't, he didn't take part in the international break, so maybe he might be available. Mason Greenwood withdrew from the under-21s. Anthony Martial hurt his knee uh, playing for France. So Cavani, at the moment, as it stands, is the only fit striker. 
Yeah, um, it's it's not an ideal situation going to the tail end of the season. You want all your players fit and healthy, especially after the international break. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Where you know a club like United, they'd have to. Uh, they can't be looking at that as excuses, you know. Um, if, if it's Cavani that's leading the line, it's not the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst option in the world. Um, but you know, I, I think Solskjaer will be telling his players. You know, I mean, it starts now. Um, you know, we we need to secure that second place. Um, and, and like you said, you know, there, there are points that are going to be dropped, whether it's whether it's from City or, or Leicester or, or even both. Um, it, it's a great chance, and and I think three points is. It's crucial here uh, for United to to really cement that second spot, and I think you know just give them that little bit of a push. You know, get you know the season going again after the international break. Sometimes you know the players come back. You know, it's a little bit lethargic to get into the swing, the intensity of the Premier League um, after playing you know some other you know, lower ranked countries. Uh, intensity is not really there, um, but you know um, they, they really need to come back because the last eight games is crucial. Yeah, um, and don't forget the Europa League as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the best news for United is that Bruno Fernandes returned early from international break because he wasn't involved in Portugal's last game. So he didn't play this week. Which is I mean, uh, sorry, I just want to say you. It was it was a decent week for some of the United players. Maguire getting the winner, yeah, yeah, Shaw yeah. got an assist uh, on his return. Um, I think uh, who was it? Dan James got a goal Dan as well. Dan James headed goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so all right, so decent, the decent week. Yeah, the only drawback is it's a half past two kickoff. So normally when it happens, it turns out to be a nil-nil or one-one. <laughs> I hope I haven't jinxed it. Right. In a nutshell, that's your EPL for the weekend. I'm going to say thanks to the guys. So thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much. And Des Corkill, muchas gracias. My pleasure. Reminder for those in Malaysia, you can actually go and watch some football in the Malaysian Super League, but check the SOPs and make sure that you, can, you know how to get your tickets. But fans allowed back into stadiums. Brilliant, brilliant. It's, it's a step back towards normality. Brilliant stuff. Hey, thanks for, for listening to us. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll speak to you next week. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.